It's amazing seeing somebody dance like that, isn't it? It just takes my breath away. Shauna, thank you so much. It's amazing seeing somebody set up a, a stand with such skill, isn't it? <laughs> such ease and such grace. Fluid. You don't even take notice of it. Man, what is it about such beauty that captures us? Do you find yourself just captured? Even if you don't know dance, which I I don't really know the technicalities of dance, man, it's just beautiful to see somebody give themselves completely to something, isn't it? Just fantastic to see somebody... You know there's so many hours spent devoting themselves to something. And God gifting somebody like Shauna just, it's amazing. Today we're continuing to talk about this idea of imagine. Imagine if you and I actually knew who God made us to be. And and we just ran after it. We just committed ourselves completely to it. Like with Shauna. Just fully in. I'm, I'm all in on it. God, I know who you've made me to be and, and I want to be that. And I want to see you shape me and mold me the way you've gifted me, the way you've made me, and, and I'm in. Be, can you imagine Can you imagine if all of us knew who we were supposed to be rather than walking around hoping to get a star today, hoping not to get too many dots? Man, it's a haunting story, isn't it? Because you feel so bad for Punchinello, not really knowing what he's made for, not really knowing his maker. And then you realize the story is about you. That the story's about me. And so many of us are like Punchinello wandering around hoping that somebody will tell us what we're good at. Hoping that not too many people will tell us what we're bad at. Hoping we'll discover along the way what we're meant for. Now we miss our maker. Can you imagine if we were all being who God made us to be? Some of us have lies. We have dots on us right now. Stuff that's been said to us, stuff that we believe from a long time ago that, man, I'm not good for anything. Man, I failed as a student or, man, I got fired as an employee or I got left as a spouse or we got all of these dots and, and you're ugly and you're not, and, and we don't know anymore what we're made to be. And so we get into these patterns of of taking paths through life to to avoid getting dots and and paths through life to hope that somebody will star us. And we don't know at all what God made us for. Maybe I'm not telling your story, but I am telling mine. Because I think that we as people, we just get lost. Can you imagine if you actually knew who God made you to be and you were free to just run after it 
and the joy of that and seeing God use you beyond yourself. That's what we're talking about. Can you imagine if, if all of us were pursuing God that way? Can you imagine what this place would be like? Can you imagine what our community would be like? Can you imagine what your neighbors would be like if they had somebody like you living near them, knowing exactly why God put you there? exactly what he sent you into that community or that cubicle or, or that cul-de-sac for. Man, we'd turn the world upside down because God would be doing it through us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I watched some of you and, and I just like being in awe of Shauna dancing I watch some of you and I am just in awe. And typically we look at people who can do things with ease that we can't do. And we we look at them and we're in awe of them. I watch, there's, there's a number of different people in our office who are good with administration like Heather and, and uh, I'm in awe of people who do administration easily. Uh, I know you might think that's kind of a simple thing, but but somebody that just administrates easily and organizes easily, I just, I love to watch that. I love to not have to do it myself, but I, I'm in awe of it because they're just so good at it. And they, they anticipate what needs to be done. Do you know what I'm saying? And then some of you are good at sales. Have you ever watched a good salesman? Have you ever like gone into a place and had no intention of buying anything? And the next thing you know, you want, you need that. You want that, and you're actually saving money by buying it. And you actually not only buy it, but you give him a tip because he was so helpful. Some of you are amazing salespeople, and God's gifted you incredibly. Some of you work with kids. And have you ever watched somebody who's just good with kids? I told you a few weeks ago that I think Dave Elsog is amazing with children. And he walks in a room and all the kids light up. My kids, they go into this amazing drama that has been carried on for months now with Dave. And, you know, Dave comes into the room and everybody's in prone position. They've got, you know, their imaginary guns and they've got this. And Dave is just magic with kids. And I stand in awe. It's just, it's awesome to see somebody know what they're made for, and fully live in it. At the same time, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody who doesn't know who they are. And they're trying to, to be in a hole that isn't made for them. They're a square peg in a round hole, or, or they're an extrovert sitting in a cubicle and just dying. Or they're an introvert and they're in sales and they're, they're on the phone. And Do you know what I mean? It's just painful to see. And God made you and I just this unique expression of who he is. We as people are different than trees and animals and rocks in that we are made in the image of God. Nothing else on earth is made in the image of God. Do you know that? And you are a specific, unique expression like nobody else of the image of God and God made you like nobody else today I don't know who you are I don't know if you are like Punchinello and you're walking around and and you've got some dots because you're not good at some things and you don't really know what you're for 
what you're made for, and you don't really know how to go about life, and you're hoping to get stars, but you don't really want either of them, and you just feel pushed into a corner in life. And I don't know if you're like that, but my goal for you, if that's you, is that like he did, I want you to find your maker, and I want him to pick you up and tell you, I made you. I love you. I made you just the way you are. I didn't make you like this. I made you like this. And I love you. And I have special stuff for you. And I want you to spend time with me. And if that's you, my goal just right out of the gate is that you would know that. And that you would spend time in the wood shop with your maker. Maybe you're like uh, an animal. You know, um, in zoos, they've observed this thing with animals. Uh, animals develop in zoos what they call stereotypic behavior. And if you, how many of you have ever been to a zoo? Anybody been to a zoo? Most of us. Um, I've been to a zoo before, and uh, do you ever see animals that um, they pace at the edge of the of the cage, and they go around in circles. Have you ever seen this? I want to tell you something amazing. Have you ever, have you ever seen animals do this, and the, the path is worn out? Have you ever seen that? I want to tell you something that you don't know. Animals don't do that in the wild. <laughs> they don't. When they're not in zoos, they don't do that. Bears actually have a variation. Bears do a figure eight. I don't know. It's what they say. Bears do a figure eight. And I want to tell you something. In the mountains, bears don't do figure eights. Stereotypic behaviors in zoo-caged animals develop because it's not where they were meant to be. And it's fun for us to see them. But they're bored. Literally, they say boredom, lack of exercise, lack of natural environment, and not knowing who they're meant to be. It creates these crazy things in them. Have you ever uh, seen like a giraffe in a zoo? And then uh, a few of you have probably been like in a wild place like on safari or something, and then you see a giraffe in the wild, and the colors are amazingly different. Have you ever seen that? Or you see on National Geographic the way a giraffe looks and then you go to the zoo and you take your kids and you're like, that's not a giraffe. Um, that's like a donkey with a stretched neck or something, you know? That's because they weren't meant to be there. And you take them out of where they're supposed to be and they forget. I have four little boys and, and if you keep little boys locked up inside, there's this stereotypic behavior that they develop. And I want to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mime it, and I want to see if you can get it, okay? And this is what it looks like. Oh, oh. And they're bored to death. But they think that there's adventure in something that isn't adventurous. They're sitting on their butts, and they're just going to town. And they lose focus on reality and who God made them to be. 
God made him to be outside working and playing and climbing trees and falling and breaking bones. and You know what I mean? That's what we're meant for. That's what boys are meant for. But we settle for less because we don't know. It's like we have no idea what we're meant for. No idea what God made us for. So maybe you're like Punchinello, but maybe you're just like a caged bear. And you're running figure eights in life because you have no idea what you're made for. Or you're just plain bored. You're just bored with all the options. You've tried everything. You know what? They say plain boredom in animals creates it. And and they think that the reason that it's always out near the edges is just because they're always trying to escape, but they never can. They want off the merry-go-round. They want out of the cage. They want to know what they're for. But they can't escape. So today, I, I just want to look at God's word with you and say, God, would you help us to discover who you made us to be? Would you help us? Because otherwise, we're going we're gonna to settle for PlayStation. We're going to settle for figure eights. We're going to settle for something that, God, you have so much more. We're going to settle for searching for stars and hoping against dots. We're going to settle. You know, in Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist said that God created us in our inmost being, that he knit us together in our mother's womb. He knit us together in our mother's womb. That he made you and I specific with hand care. I, I don't know if people still knit, but um, I'm sure they do. Uh, you know, my grandmother knitted, and uh, my mom knitted for a while, and my mother-in-law knitted, and uh, did you ever get a knitted thing? Did you ever get a knitted gift? And, um, you know, God knit you together in your mother's womb knit you together. You think about all the hours. You ever seen like some of those blankets, like um, Afghans or whatever you call them? The, have you ever seen any of those knit blankets? You ever try and think about the hours and the time of being knit together? I mean, what an amazing gift. Probably as a kid, you don't have maybe all of the, the ability to understand the beauty of that gift sometimes. And, and maybe sometimes, you know, grandma used old, old, yarn and knit it together and said, hey, that's the way it's supposed to look. But that's not the way it is with God. God knit you together perfectly in your mother's womb. And he made you and he made me for something special. So it's like grandma's hat that she made you, but way better. But just as personal. God put us together. You know, there's, uh, there's a number of ways that we don't, we don't know what we're for. Like Punchinello, it might simply be because we don't know our maker. He never even knew the maker was at the top of the hill. You know, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, I was looking at uh, a couple different places where Paul just excels in helping people discover what they were made for. And uh, there's this guy, Apollos, who years after Paul is in ministry, years after he's in ministry, this guy, Apollos, comes in on the scene. And uh, in Acts 18, 
um, he comes in, and it, and it says this about Apollos in Acts chapter 18. It says, After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there, and he traveled to a place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, uh, strengthening and all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man. Uh, that means that he was a well-educated man uh, with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. So here, years into the ministry of the church, this guy Apollos, who had studied and, and he had some gifts and he was a good speaker, and through the story of the New Testament, Paul just highly compliments somebody else. He doesn't, he doesn't look at other people and try to, try to give them dots and put them down. If, if you track through the story of Paul and Apollos, he, he encourages others to listen to Apollos. All right? In Corinthians, they were actually arguing over which guy they liked better because they were both teachers, they were both pastors, they were both preachers. And if, in Corinthians, he continues in 1 Corinthians 3, and he says this, he says, What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you, have, you came to believe uh, as the Lord has assigned his task to each. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things to grow. And, and I just want you to see Paul's heart. In the sense, here's a guy who comes on after Paul and... And he doesn't even really understand. He, he knows the word, but he doesn't even really understand about Jesus. He's just heard that there was this guy, John, who said the Messiah is coming, and he got baptized in that baptism, but he still didn't really understand all the intricacies of the gospel. And here's Paul, and he just, he's building him up. He says, we're the same. We're both teaching the word. We're both, and I want you to see that he encourages others in what they were made for. Paul encourages Apollos in what he was made for. He did the same thing with Timothy. All right, remember Timothy? He was a young guy. And, and Paul says this of Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and am, I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, oh, for the Spirit that God gave us, excuse me, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So here Timothy is a young guy, and Paul encourages him, and Paul says, God has given you gifts, and I want to encourage you to fan those into flame. I want to encourage you to fan him into flame and continue. You see, Paul didn't go around sticking star stickers on people and saying, hey, I've got lots of stars. How many do you have? He encouraged everyone into the gift that God had given them. All right, we're going to find that God's word says that he's given us lots of gifts, but he, he encourages others. And so really right at the start, I want you to know that God has encouraged each, God has given each of you gifts and we ought to encourage one another towards those gifts and to, to fan them into flame. Now, he's not talking specifically about Eunice and Lois here, all right? But 
But they played a significant role, didn't they? Eunice and Lois helped raise Timothy into the gifting that he had. And he says, their faith has been lived out in you. Now, we don't know exactly what their gifts were. And if one was a servant and one had a gift of mercy and, and maybe one of them was a great teacher and, and we don't know exactly what their gifts were. But they affected Timothy and Paul is encouraging Timothy. Now, I want to just uh, talk about this idea of fanning into flames. When you have a gift in life, when you have a gift or a talent in life, do you automatically rock at it? Do you think uh, Shauna came up here and just kind of made that up? Spot on? No, there's hours of fanning it into flame. There's years of fanning it into flame. There's work involved in fanning gifts into flame. Basketball players, although they rarely can make uh, free throws when they need to, um, in theory, they spend hours, don't they? Shooting baskets. Hours. And the ones who spend more hours fanning it into flame, they make more baskets, right? Fanning it into flame. And so Paul doesn't say, hey, now that you're gifted, man, it's easy street, just rock. He says, fan it into flame. All right? Um, I want to tell you a story uh, in the same way. Uh, There's a story in the Old Testament about a kingdom. And it takes place, you know, 500 years before the time of Christ. And there is uh, an occupation. The, The Israelites are are not occupied, they're, they're taken away in captivity. And Xerxes is the king. And Xerxes has a, a banquet, and he decides that his wife doesn't behave properly, he's a terrible, violent king, and he has his wife removed. And they say, okay, let's search for a new queen. And they go throughout all the land, and they search for, of course, the most beautiful women, and they bring in hundreds of them, and they put them through 12 months training and 12 months beauty school. And they prepare them for the king to choose a new wife. All right? Have you heard of Esther? Some of you have. And, and Esther is one of those, but she is a Jewish girl uh, who is adopted uh, by her uncle Mordecai. And, and Mordecai uh, loved the Lord. And he said, man, you're being chosen for this. And so he keeps contact with her as she goes through this training. And in Esther, we read this story that she was, she was beautiful and she took, she really fanned into flame her gift. She took the advice and the leadership of the people over her and she gets chosen of hundreds of women to become the queen for Xerxes. Of hundreds, she gets chosen, and she becomes the queen. It's really an amazing story. And, and really the humility with which she does it, the humility with which she steps in as the story goes, is just phenomenal. She's been given this amazing position, and she walks into it. And, and after she's queen for a while, there's an evil man who his desire is to see all of the Jews killed. Haman is his name, and, and he puts together this plot to have all of the Jews killed. And Mordecai, on the outside, the uncle, catches wind of it and sends word to his, his niece, 
the queen, and says to her, you got to do something about this. But here's the thing, is that you can't go talk to the king unless you're invited. All right? His last wife didn't obey, and she was gone. And, and the way that the king operated is if, if you're not invited, you're not in. And so I want you to go to Esther 4. We'll go to Esther 4 together. And, and here's what Mordecai says and sends to Esther. He says, For if you remain silent at this time, meaning and not talk to the king and not use your position to save the Jews, he says this, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Okay? First of all, I just I want you to know, I think this is a really good way to say this, that if you don't serve in God's kingdom with your gifts, like let's say, let's say you're amazing at sales, like we were talking before. Let's say you're amazing, and God's given you this gift with people, and you're just, you're fantastic. If you don't use your gifts for the kingdom of God, I want you to know, deliverance will come from somewhere else. God will use someone else. But you'll never know what God made you for. All right, so here's what he says. He says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for all the Jews, it'll arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And you've probably heard that statement before. But he says to Esther, maybe God has put this all together, gifted you this way, given you your beauty, given you all of this for such a time as this, for this purpose. He says, if you choose not to, God will sort it out some other way. God will deliver the Jews because he's faithful. He'll deliver his Jews some other way, the Jews some other way, but but you won't know what you're made for. So if you don't know the end of the story, she says, well, if I die, I die, but I'll go in and I'll do it. And, and she becomes who God uses to deliver the Jews. And it's an awesome story. In God's kingdom, for us as the church, for us as his people, He's not only made us in his image and knit you together in your mother's womb and given you exactly who you are and what you're skilled at and your personality style. He's not only done all of that, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's, he's actually given you gifts on top of that, spiritual gifts, things that are specifically for you and to be used by his kids, by his children for the building up of the kingdom. Now, we could look at lists, and, and if you're interested, and if you never have before, I would really encourage you, like in 1 Corinthians 12, you might want to write that down, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Ephesians 4. Um, there's other places that just talk about gifts. There's places that talk about the gifts, but, but I, want to, I want to read to you out of uh, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter 4, 10. And I, I want to read to you just the way God rolls this out. He says this, he says in, in 2 Peter 4.10, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. There's lots of different gifts that God has given us. He says, manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Manage the gifts that God has given you well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Like with Esther, God put her in a specific position, Right? 
He put her in a specific position at a specific time with specific favor with the king, with all that God knit her together with. And he says, use them, manage them, so that God's generosity can flow through you. Okay? Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. If you're called to help others, are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and the energy that God supplies. Then God will be given glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. You see, the point of of Punchinello is not that Punchinello is so great. The point is that who is so great? The maker. I mean, have you ever... Like, take a minute and just look at the person next to you. Just take a minute and look at the person next to you. And you might know them pretty well. Maybe they're a stranger. And, uh, I mean, have you ever really thought about how amazing it is that God has made us all so differently just by, just by like, our facial construction? I mean, it is amazing. And God's given us all different gifts, And he says, it's not about us, it's about God's glory. That God would take us and use us to encourage one another, to build one another up. When it talks about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are always meant for one thing. They're meant to build up the body of Christ. They aren't meant to build me up, okay? Now, there's places that this can get off track, all right? Let's put it on the the picture with... um, with Punchinello and the, the Wemmicks, all right? With that whole story, there's people who are gifted and made uniquely and beautifully, all right? Places that it can go wrong is you start to think that it's about me. And you think, I'm gifted in this, so I get a star. Or you get, and we as people always assign quality differently than God would, don't, don't we? We always, we always want to shoot towards all being the same. Have everybody look the same, wear the same, and we assign it differently. But God has made us all individually. So, who are you? Who has God made you to be? And where are you at today? Are you at the place where Man, you're just, you're just starting into this. And so, I don't really know who I am. Well, here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to spend time with your maker. Spend time saying, God, who am I? What have you made me for? And a great place to do that is in his word. To say, God, what have you made me for? Would you instruct me from your word? And then begin to fan into flame the things that he puts on your heart. To fan into flame those things. Uh, let me just say something. If, if you're a person who, who's been going to church for a long time and, and your stereotypic behavior is that you come in a couple minutes late and come over and, and try not to talk to many people and sit down and, and leave a couple minutes early and, and you somehow check off a box in your heart that you need to attend 
but I don't really want to engage. I want to tell you, there's more than just the glass house that you're living in. There's more than just the cage. Not because, not because this place needs you here. Not because this, this machine, this organization, not because this event needs you. Because you need to discover what God made you for. Uh, maybe you're a person who is incredibly gifted in business. And you use your business skills that God gave you and, and you help businesses succeed and, and it's been profitable for you. But you've never considered, God, why do I have this ability? Why, why does this just come so easily for me? And you've never even thought, or maybe because of people like me, because we always give churchy examples of how to, how to serve. So we say, you know what? If you want to serve Adventure Canyon, if you want to serve Greeter's Table, if you want to serve, you know, come set up at 4.30 in the morning. Um, maybe because we only give churchy examples for how to serve, you've thought, well, I guess I just stay in this cage. And you're just used to run in figure eights. But maybe, maybe what we really need is some of your wisdom and experience in how you understand how, how business and organizations and, and things work. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality and your house is amazing. Just absolutely amazing. And, and when family comes over and you know, it's just, it's fantastic. And God's given you maybe a great house and, and the ability to do that and, and the resources to host. And have you ever considered how God might want to use you beyond your cage? Have you ever considered that God might want you to, to be a lighthouse in your community where he's put you? Maybe you're like Punchinello and all you need to do is spend a little time with him at his table and you would say, man, God, I realize you've made me for more than I thought. And look, and he begins to change your heart. Or maybe you're just bored. Maybe all the options put before you they just seem boring. I'm not into it. There's, there's something different. And you, you end up not knowing what God has designed you for. I want to encourage you as we close the service to say, God, what am I here for? What have you gifted me at? All right, so the first thing is to spend time with him. The second thing I just want to encourage you to do is is if you're not doing anything, try a different pattern. Maybe your pattern is inside that cage. Try a different pattern and see how it feels. Maybe you've never served anywhere in ministry and you don't even know what you're good at. You might find that you, you volunteer somewhere and somebody says, hey, you're really good at that. And, and it's not a star on the back, but it's an encouragement to hear, like Paul to Timothy, wow, you really ought to work on that because you're amazing with kids. Or, you know what? Our hospitality team, our, our connections team, it feels so much better when you're here. Or, 
you know what? We've never thought about business that way. We've never thought about, about how we do church that way. Can you share with us some more insight? Or, or maybe, maybe you're a mechanic and you work on your car all the time and you have great cars, but there's, maybe there's a way to use your gifts. Try a different pattern and see how others affirm the things that God has made you good at. There's all kinds of tests. You can take spiritual gifts tests. You can take personality, strengths finder. All of those things are good. Hear from God first. Spend time with your maker so that everybody else's stars and stickers don't stick to you anymore or they stick to you less. It's going to take some time. But then start serving. Start focusing on others and serving others and figure out what you like, what you don't like, what others affirm you in and what others say, you know what, maybe you should try something a little different. Here's the thing. When you and I have all of these amazing gifts and we don't use them to build up the body, we miss out on the adventure that God has for us. Can you imagine going to your same place at work with a totally different perspective? Same place you've worked for years maybe and you think everything's routine and God reveals to you that he wants you to use your gifts to be a light there and every day is new. Or maybe you go home today and you look at your neighbor differently and you realize, you know what? I should ha- God's given me this, this physical talent, this mechanical ability. I really ought to help him with that broken down car that he's struggling with every morning. And, and I ought to tell him how much God loves him in the meantime. And life becomes an adventure. As we close today, we're going to take communion. And today I just want to encourage communion is this, it's this meal, this mini meal that we kind of celebrate here every week. Because when Jesus, before he died, he, he sat with his disciples and he was leaving and, and he said, I'm breaking bread. And he goes, I want, the next time you break bread, I want you to remember that my body's going to be broken for you. And he took a drink and he said, hey, the next time you take a drink, I, I want you to remember that my blood is going to be spilled for you. And so as believers, we take communion to remember that this is all about Jesus, that he lived and died for you and I, that his body was broken and his blood was shed for you and I. Now, if you're here and you're not a believer yet, we're so glad you're here. And, and we want to serve you and keep talking about these things as you pursue God. But but this is a meal for believers, that believers would just say, man, I'm remembering you, Jesus, and that this is all about you. And today, as you, as you pray and as the band comes up, I, I want to encourage you to say, God, have you gifted me in a way that, I'm not, that I don't even know about? Have you, have you created me for something that I'm not even... I'm not even doing yet. And God, what is that? And would you lead me into your good things? So we're going to take the bread and the cup as it comes around. And the band is going to lead us in worship. And I want you to, I want you to hold on to the bread and the cup. And, um, and then we'll pray together, all right? At the end. Lord God, thank you that you made us. That you knit us together. Not only did you love us 
But even when we were enemies, you came back to buy us back, to redeem us. God, your blood was shed. Your body was broken for me. So God, as we worship, God, would you, would you not only remind us, but would you lead us forward into what we're made for? In Jesus' name.